0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. I never had the pleasure of working with my guest today, but we did work a lot in the same places, and we do have 32 mutual friends. His first season was in Clement Ixtapa in 1993-1994 as a standard or telephone geo. During his six years with Clement he was also a sailing, snorkeling, archery, light engineer, DJ, and circus geo. When he was in Punta Cana, he had rum and cokes with Spanish singer Julio Iglesias, who has a villa next door to the Club Med. What the heck did they talk about? Well, we're going to get into that and much more. He worked for Club Med from 1993 to 1999, and he is from Mexico City, has a French-looking name, has been living in Quebec for the last 23 years, and he restored a 1976 Honda cb 750 motorcycle in his spare time. Now, why you're probably asking yourself, why would someone from very warm Mexico <laughs> choose to live in one of the coldest Canadian provinces? You know, I don't know why, but we're going to ask him that. So, please, everyone, help me welcome Javier Margain. How are you,
1: sir? How are you doing, Greg? Very, Pretty very good. good. All right, it's so, so nice to finally, finally, um, you know, get in touch with you. Finally, uh, put a, a a voice and a friendship to the to the legendary voices.
0: Whoa, um, so, a... thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I mentioned your name. So the fact that you're living in, you've been living in Quebec for 23 years, but your name struck me like I always thought you were French when I see your name on on Facebook. But I think you explained. I think the origins of your last name Bargain are are French. Is that true?
1: Correct. Uh, if you uh, research it online, which I did once, turns out that and from what my parents told me back in the day, it turns out that it's uh, it's a family. It's a French family that at some point. Made their way to America, made their way their way to Mexico. So everybody basically in Mexico that has the Margain last name, they are all related to the same the same family tree very much. No. And we don't know all each other, yeah, and oh, no. and, and there's a, there's a bunch of them that I don't know. Uh, like when when Facebook came around, you know'm I'm, I'm like you from the generations of of te- of line telephones and we didn't have internet and all that. but when the internet and and Facebook came all around, at some point uh, there was a, you know, there was a, a site or a page on Facebook about the Margaine family and everybody started joining. So I joined and there's like a hundred people that I've never heard in my life and I never met in my life, and they are part of the same family too. All
0: right. Are you ready? Are you sitting comfortably? Are you ready to to light this fire? But- let's do it okay so all right so just take me back a bit I want to know like where you were living were you going to school like how did you uh, and how did you find out about club med
1: well I was uh, at the time uh starting and living with my family in Mexico City and my father um uh, he had a printing company he was part of uh, of the graphic cards association in Mexico and they do those uh you know those uh, Corporate events and corporate uh, travel uh, uh, trips and stuff, and one of them at one point was to Club Med. So he went to this traveling uh, this to this um, you know, company uh, trip uh, with my mom, and when they came back at some point, my mom started telling me all the stories about you know her travels, and, and she said at one point, "You would love to work in Club Man. I could see you working in the club. I met some people in the club and." I want to say that they were in either Ixtapa or Cancun, but she did mention that she was talking to a Brazilian geo, which I later later came to find out that it was that it was I think Arius Stern, and oh, wow, I didn't really? know who this was. Yes, I didn't know who it was, and I believe at that point, if my mom, if I'm correct, if I'm tying uh, tying all the strings together correctly, I think my mom said that he was in the sports team. And she said, you know, you would love to do something like that. I can see you doing something like that. And that's it. Time went by and years went by. And, uh, you know, I finished high school and I was looking for work. I was walking around downtown in Mexico City giving CVs and, and I had made a bunch of photocopies of my birth certificate and all, you know, all the basic documents that you need to turn into a company to, uh, to apply for a job. I had no clue of what I was doing or where I was going and what I was aiming myself to. And uh, and I definitely absolutely didn't have Club Med in, in my sights. But I happened to walk by the offices of Club Med in Polanco in Mexico City. I think in President Mazarik, if I remember correctly, the street, I think even. And that voice of my mom saying, you would like to do this? Um, struck me or kind of like flashed in front of me. And just by curiosity, I walked in. And uh, and I asked the, the um, secretary at, at the welcoming place, what do you need to work for Club Ed? And she gave me a list of, of documents that I needed to present and, and to fill in an application. I said, well, I just so happen to have all these documents because I'm in a search, you know, for a job. And she gave me an application. I filled up the application and I sat down and she said, uh, sit here for a minute and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll get you an interview in a minute. At that point, I just started watching videos on the screen that they have, uh, you know, for, for publicity. And I was just struck with all this beauty of beaches and fun and smiles and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know anything about it. So all of a sudden uh, the door opens up and, uh, she, uh lady comes out and looks at me and uh, points at me. And the girl and the, and the, the secretary, she says, uh, come inside. So I went inside. I remember the name of this uh, lady in charge of human resources for Mexico. And uh, she gave me this nice lengthy interview in English and Spanish. And uh, this was on a Monday. And she said, okay, we'll call you. So I said, all right. Well, thank you very much. And I walked out and that was it. I didn't think anything of it. It kept on going and kept on going on my search, giving, you know, resumes all over the place. And then the next day on a Tuesday, she said, uh, she called me on the phone and she said, so are you ready to go? I said, yeah. She said, perfect. You have to pick up your plane tickets at the airport. You're leaving Thursday to stop. I was like, "Uh, uh, uh, Okay.
0: Well, excuse me have, like, uh, excuse, excuse me one second sir now did you talk about what you were going to do in the village or you you only found out what you're going to do when you got there
1: no she told me right there she oh. said uh you're going to work in the phones okay and that was it i didn't know anything about it and that's how i got to the village you know knowing that i was a phone geo but that was it i didn't know nothing else
0: okay and was it was it hard to learn that
1: job no no it was super easy and i absolutely loved it because the schedule was amazing i mean there was three of us in the in the phone office so we divided the the schedule of the of the phone office in three uh one of us started at eight o'clock in the morning finished at noon the second one started at noon finished at six and the third one started at six And finished at midnight.
0: Okay, this makes sense now because I did, uh, I'd only encountered this position in Playa Blanca in 96, and, you know, Vladimir Uh Malin was doing it. So no no wonder he was always in a good mood. I was feeling bad for him stuck stuck in that room. But now I know that, oh my gosh, you guys Uh had a, depending how you did your schedule, you had some free time, I guess, right?
1: It was awesome because the way (laughs) the schedule was made, if you worked in the morning, then your next, your next, scheduled day to work was at night you would skip one and then if you worked at night you didn't start early in the morning the next day you started at noon so in between in between shifts you had a lot of time so imagine if I worked at midnight I didn't have to start until the next day at noon and if I finished at noon I didn't have to start until the next day in the morning so I had all night to do anything I wanted and if i was uh, at night then the next morning i could do anything i want and yeah. so i spend my time at the beach
0: <laughs> yeah well here yeah here i am breaking breaking my neck doing land sports and you're uh, <laughs> you got all this time off <laughs> well well tell me what do you what do you remember about arriving your your first uh, week or first day did you have any what i call
1: club med culture shock
0: or were you nothing uh, felt you really like what
1: but I didn't like, I didn't, I couldn't compare it to anything else, obviously. And for me, uh, it, I, I thought that everything that I was encountering was normal. And everything for me was first, uh, starting from the cultural diversity of everybody, right? First of all, I get off the van from the airport, and a blonde guy from Belgium greets me. Only, uh, no, Didier, uh, chief of sports. And uh, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was a U Sports. I didn't know anything about it. His uh, his name tag said D D N. He came out and he said in broken Spanish, you know, "Bienvenido to Ixtapa." And uh, what's your name, Javier? And he said, "Come over here. We're gonna we're gonna uh, bring you to the uh, we're gonna get you to your room and we're gonna get you everything assigned and we'll we'll tell you how everything works." And uh, somebody else walked me to um, to the planning, and I got my room. And you know, so on. Uh, somebody walked me to my room. I, I, I uh, they said, as soon as you get done with your, um, you know, with your room, you can walk around the the village and check it out. And we're gonna meet here at the theater. At uh, I, I think it was at five or something at some at some time. And the village was closed. It was the reopening of Ixtapa, so there was no GMs. It was only an incoming, brand new. Um, geo team, so everybody was getting to know each other. So so it was a very friendly atmosphere, right? So you get people from all over the world saying hi to you, and where are you from? Oh, I'm from California. What do you do here? Oh, I work at the bar. And what's your name, Sal? And you know so on and so forth. And uh, and from there on, it was it was really cool to re encounter people further in the future, right? But but for my first season, it was. It was an absolute um, first for every, every aspect of, of getting into the club. First time, first job, first, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know when, he's, when, when she said, you're going to work on the phones. I was like, okay, great. And then my first encounter the next day, I met the chief of the office, Philippe, I believe his name was. And uh, so, you know, they took me to the telephone office. And, uh, and they taught me how to work the, um, the, the console and how to transfer the lines uh, that were incoming to the club because it was, it was, it was the, main, the main communication line in and out of the club. Any single club that came into all the offices came through me, to the chief of the village, to the chief of planning, to maintenance, to, uh, to, uh, to the economy, to absolutely everything. From the offices, from 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 the offices in 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 uh, in Miami, from the offices in Mexico, I used to get calls from France, and I had no idea. I had I had never spoken French. Uh, it was my first time encountering bosses or or chiefs on any level that that were from Europe, and sometimes they would speak French, and I wouldn't understand. And sometimes they're their um english was a little broken up and 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 i didn't understand their english perfectly so it was it was a bit of a culture shock and it was always a, an effort to try to be able to communicate right to which for me was 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 an awesome challenge i've always liked uh, languages and trying to communicate. I have. I, I'm very fortunate to have a brother and a sister who are, you know, in reality my stepbrother brother, my stepsister. But the, I, uh, they, uh, they went to a, a French school in Mexico City, so I always, you know, wanted to learn. And I, I always found beautiful when they, when I would hear them doing their homework and stuff in French. The language was so nice and so attractive, right? So when I got to Club Man, I was like, I need to learn this. It took me a while. All eight years or, or six years of my career there, but uh, but little by little, I started getting it. But you know everybody that I met it was it was a, it was so friendly. It was an environment so different from what I grew up in. Mexico City was you know getting more and more difficult to live in more and more polluted, more and more crowded, uh, at a certain degree more and more dangerous in different sectors. So for me, suddenly leaving the city, it was just like, oh, my God, this is like paradise. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think it is. I'm going to like it here. And, uh, and that's how I started. That's how it went uh, for, for a pretty good while. I was just concentrated on, on, on learning really well how to do my job in the office, trying to overcome the, the languages. Because, um, you know, I, I was bilingual already um, from school. But uh, but it's very different going to school and going to a bilingual English school, and and you have you know half of your day or certain classes, and all of a sudden you're gaining you're going into an environment that from the morning you wake up to the morning and you 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 go to bed all you hear and talk with friends and everybody operational is in English, so the transition had to be really quick. Although everybody tried to make you understand in broken Spanish or in whatever they could, right? Because that was that was one other thing that that was so incredible—the willingness of everybody to teach you and to try to push you forward. Because it was it was a new team, so everybody needed to come on board willing to learn, right? So so that was fun. That was that was a lot of fun.
0: Well, let me ask you this before we jump to your second season. I just want to know, um, I'm sure after about a season working the phones that you must have been looking at what the other GOs were doing. Or like you said, when you had this free time, you were going to the beach. So did it get into your head to want to join the sailing team
1: at all? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely was a wish for me. I did that. Like, again, I didn't know how everything worked. But yes, within six months of being in the phones, I loved being in the beach. I was in the beach all the time on my spare time. And I got really close to the to the beach team, so I learned how to sail, I learned how to windsurf, and uh, I learned how to teach both of them. And so, yeah, I was it, that was always a wish. I, I I was hoping that, you know, in the future, I could I could move, but I didn't know I could. Actually, I really didn't know I could. I thought I was gonna, you know, be in the office in for a while. Later in the season, I learned that there was something called the the wish list or uh, and, and and that I could ask for something else and I was like oh, okay great
0: so your second season they send you to watuko summer of 94 with Lefice. and i believe you started you started with telephone and then you finally got to switch to the beach team correct
1: yes yes that's exactly what, correct what was that season like that was a lot of fun i i, I was I didn't last long in in the in the telephones again every time I was free. I was taking advantage of my time off and I was going to the beach all the time. And I made really good friends with the beach team. And one of the uh, of the beach guys was finishing his season and he was leaving. Uh, and Christy Harrington, the chief of sports, saw me all the time on the beach and, and came to see me on the phones and asked me if I would be interested on in switching to the, to the beach. And she said, don't say anything yet. I'm going to try to see if I can make it happen. And she spoke to to Lefice and did what she had to do. and uh, and she got me the switch. and I was just ecstatic. so because I was hanging out with the people, the part of the team. I, I liked everybody all the time in the BG, in the geo team, but but I was really close to the beach team. It was you know, really cool people that that uh, were teaching me a lot, and it was a lot of fun. so so and and I, I really fell in love with with windsurfing, even though, I was in in two clubs that didn't have the the best win for, for you know from what all the professionals were telling me about, but uh, for for learning it was perfect, and for me to learn teach beginners it was it was absolutely perfect.
0: So you got any stories, funny stories from uh, that season with Lafis? Anything happened?
1: Uh, oh my goodness, uh, oh, a lot you, of things happened. With you know, with, uh, you know, you, you
0: know the you know my rules. So tell me the. <laughs> tell me the appropriate ones okay
1: oh yes no 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 absolutely <laughs> okay. um uh, that season was was a workout oh my god you well you remember what such a big village there's so many stairs eh and uh and I, that i was going through a time in my life that i was i was having a parting i was parting too much and i was having a really hard time waking up all the time to be early and uh at some point, uh, uh, Mr. Lo came knocking in my door, Uh-oh. and uh, yeah, he came knocking in my door, and I don't know if you remember. I hope you remember the balconies well i i I didn't know who it was. I was freaked out, I was, I was scared, and I jumped from the balcony from the my balcony to the balcony underneath me and which actually switched to the other side of the doors that you could go down the stairs and and go through another another corridor and get down i i went somehow cross country and and i made it down to the lobby before he actually turned around (laughs) and excuse me
0: excuse me one second javier it sounds like you you did this route before (laughs) okay was this the first (laughs) time you did this route does it sound (laughs) like it was a
1: it's well
0: Sounds I like you're doing I, parkour here, but you knew you knew what, you knew was, where to go.
1: No, okay. I was totally I was totally doing parkour, but uh, <laughs> I, I I wasn't sure where I was going. But I knew that a couple of a couple of rooms further down, it was one of my buddies' house. Ha- one one of my body's house. One of my buddies' room, which we used to party once in a while, and we used to we used to launch each other's things, uh, you know, water balloons and stuff from balcony to balcony. So I knew that if I could get to his room. I could get out the door and down the stairs and out to the hallway, or down to the other, you know, pathway to get down. So uh, somehow I did it. I I jumped to the, from one balcony to the next one, then I hopped over to the to the wall that was in between the two separations or the two uh, the two uh, sides, and I got to the door. And obviously, you could open it from the inside, and I got out and I made it downstairs. And Lefis was looking for me all over the place, and he came down and he finally saw me. And I said no. Uh, I was just a Roman hero. I was talking to a GM and uh, I kind of like uh, got lost uh, on track. And there was a GM that I was hanging out in the beach earlier that morning, because the whole reason I was late is because on my break I went to my room and I fell asleep, and I didn't wake up. And I I had set up an alarm. I thought I did, but it didn't. I it didn't went on. It didn't go on, or I didn't set it up properly. So so that was it. I was late. And he almost caught me.
0: Well, for all you knew, he was just coming to your room to give you barbeads, right? But
1: you know, and, oh <laughs> and no, you were like, have...
0: "I'm getting out of here."
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, yeah. He was. He, he was not happy when he saw me. But but the the GM that was standing next to me, he told him, "Sorry, I stole him from his work from his job. I'll send him back." And uh, and that was it. And uh, he distracted him, and I went back to work, which I was not going back to. I was on my way there. It was horrible.
0: Okay, horrible. Let, let's let, let's move on to your third season, and just so the listeners know, we we have to tread lightly around this season because you were in Playa Blanca in 1994 with Kenton Smith. So just keep in mind whatever oh. you whatever you tell me has to be appropriate, okay? <laughs> because
1: yeah, I mean, some me, of not, me not me that.
0: Yeah, I love Playa, but but this is a season where it looks like you did everything. You were sailing, uh, sailing snorkeling, archery, light engineer, and DJ. So you were uh, you were the man about town here. I think in this village, like uh, you were every you were everywhere, right?
1: Yeah, that, that, some of the details of that operation are still classified. Okay, um,
0: well, you do yeah, have a nice yeah. uh, a nice yeah. Kenton Kenton Smith's story you told me about in your pre interview. If you wouldn't mind sharing that, because I don't know if many people know about this story. I, I never knew. Yes. It.
1: No, I know, uh, and and you know, he was pretty modest about it. He never mentioned anything, but uh, it was something that struck me. I did uh, many things um, uh, in the club just because of necessity. Jews, the Jews were coming in and out for different services, and I, 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 was, you know, polyvalent enough that I could that I was learning everything, and I was, uh, I, I was willing to to help out in whatever spot they put me, they put me in, and at some point. I was uh, teaching, I was in the snorkeling team, doing the picnics and everything with uh, my super, super good friend, brother, uh, me fratello, uh, Salvatore Giaratana. You probably obviously I, know him.
0: I know the name, yes.
1: Yeah, Salvatore Giaratana, um, very, very famous ski instructor. And he followed uh, Lefis' crew for a long time, doing whatever Lefis wanted him to do. He was, you know, in the sailing team and snorkeling. Uh, he was basically the party of the of the village. So him and I and myself used to do snorkeling and uh, for a long time in in Ixtapa. And at one point, this is funny because this is like a two-part story because of two experiences. One time, going out with Salvatore and about. We were maxed out in the boat. I think we had like twelve or sixteen people uh, for that trip, and we dropped a line. Uh, like the captain of the boat dropped a fishing line in the back, and on the way to the on the way to the uh to the snorkeling site, we caught this huge swordfish, huge huge swordfish, and the whole rest of the uh, of the time that we were gonna be out there snorkeling, we spent it hand. Pulling and hand trolling and battling this huge swordfish or sailfish—I don't remember what exactly it was—and pulled it out of the boat, uh, out onto the boat. Every single gym on the on the boat took a, a turn battling and pulling this this animal into the boat. Um, I think it. Somebody said that it was it was about four hundred pounds, and it's hard to believe. I don't know anything about big fish like that. I'm not a big fisherman, but it was huge, and. We went back to the village and they cooked it for the whole group. From the from the uh, you know, in the kitchen the chefs did a whole display of it on the and the for the buffet that night and it was amazing. So that's one story about snorkeling with Salvatore and Playa Blanca. And the other one that you were referring to is one time we were coming back from snorkeling with a group of, of, of GMs, obviously and as we were turning into the bay to go into the into the bay of Playa blanca I, I you remember there was an island in front of it yes and and this island had a bit of a sea shape and the 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 west side of the island that that faced the ocean, the, the pacific ocean used to have very big swells and uh, as we were coming in and obviously from the sailing from the beach that was the boundary you were not allowed to pass uh some buoys that we had set and and visually we was, we would tell all these people don't pass that corner of the island stay within the inside of the of the bay and as we were turning around i suddenly saw a piece of white somewhere in the in the in the surf on in the in the inside of that c-shaped island and i couldn't make out what it was and uh, I got the binoculars from the from the cabin from the boat, and we looked up, and it was a shred of the of the sail one of our sailboats from the beach. And as I pan around on the, that sea shaped cove, that was getting smashed with very big swells. We in fact cut that, that trip short because the swells were too big, and people were getting seasick. So uh, so we decided to come back. And as we were turning back, we saw these pieces of of sailboat. One of our sunfish was trashed against the rocks. And as I'm looking around, I see this blue spot crawling up the, the rocks. And there was this GM trying to get off of the surf, climbing into the rocks. And those rocks were crawling of sea urchins. There was just black spots all over those rocks. So I try to jump in with sandals and, and, a, and a tow line. To try to get up onto the island but i was doing it wrong i was going it face first from the from the from the surf and it was just too dangerous i, I was not gonna be able to do it and in, in the meantime i had told the you know the the, the captain called the called the club called the club get the rescue boat here and they had done that immediately they called obviously the beach team and they launched the rescue boat uh but uh, they called obviously uh the sports, uh, the chief sports, and and the chief village, and Canton jumped on that on that rescue boat, and he was coming hot, boy. At this point, I had already tried to get up on this on this island a couple of times, and uh, and I reached one end, but the surf was too big, and I couldn't get to where he was. So I jumped off the island again, and he came in from the side, and used one of the huge swells to get close into the <laughs> into the island. And when the swell passed, he was just hanging onto the rocks, and he made it up to where the, uh, to where the GM was, lifted him up, put him on his shoulder, walked off through the ridge of that mount of that of that sea-shaped uh, uh, cove, got to where the swell was a little smoother instead of having crushing waves on the side of the island. and he jumped into the water. I was waiting for him and the rope and the water floating and we just held him. Uh, from the life vest and they pulled us out, got him into the uh, into the speedboat and they took him straight back to the to the beach and I got back on the on the snorkeling boat and uh, and later on when I got to the to the shore I went to the infirmary um, and they were they were getting the transfer to take him to the hospital um and before he he got there he gave me his his hat. he had a beautiful really cool Australian hat. Uh, Brown Australian hat that kind of like became became my uniform, my word for the rest of my career in the club. I still have it, and uh, and his feet and hands were well, his whole body was covered, but his feet and hands had each more sea urchin spikes than a full sea urchin. It was incredible.
0: So, but this was uh, Kenton Smith, the chief of village that that was the one that took him off the island, right? Just oh so yeah, we're, just so we're clear. Oh yeah, okay. Sounds oh, like a su- yeah. superhero.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no. And he never mentioned anything about it. I was just like, "Wow, man, you did a really good job." Like, no, I didn't. You know how Kitten was, you know, yeah. particular. But yeah. it was great. It was it was an amazing season.
0: All right. Now after Playa, you go Sonora, Extapa, You take a break back to Extapa. But the the season I'm curious about that you did was Summer '98 tricks and Caicos with uh, my old chief uh, Lulu. Who was then replaced yes. by Homo, but I believe uh-huh. you were there with Gus. Gus was still there, I believe, with uh, Lulu, right? Um, yes. yes. that chief, chief Animation. It must have been a fun season, no?
1: Very fun. Very fun. I didn't do the whole season. I didn't. Unfortunately, I was not there for the whole season. But uh, my time there was amazing. I had lots of bops. So uh, I, I unfortunately I had an accident there in the trapeze. But uh, but that's one of the seasons where where, where I learned the most. Uh, I got to work with the legendary Batman as chief of circus. So he drilled me that season and I got a chance to learn a lot. I absolutely loved it. Lulu was amazing, super energetic, super fun. And uh, Goss, I mean, what can I say about Goss? Uh, the tall, blonde, beautiful face. Everybody wanted to be Goss. I mean, he had the charm of an angel. He sang like like the. Yeah, like one, any any kind of artist, uh, it was it was play the violin. I'm sure when he was uh, like a, like an angel. It was incredible. You to see every single Go and GM females just turn around their heads backwards like an exorcist and drool at the guy when he would pull the violin. It was just amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: And this was like your, this is your special season for you because it's your first time outside of Mexico. Like, like you know, you had to, from 93 to 98, basically you were in Mexico yeah. and this is your first yeah. one. You, did you get to swim with Jojo at all? Did you see Jojo?
1: I did. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. What an experience. Like, like anybody that's been blessed to do that, eh? It was just amazing. And, and when I showed up, I would hear, you know, Jojo here, Jojo there. And, uh, you know, I used to hang out with the, with the water ski team. A lot and um i think that's one of the first times that i saw it and uh, gm lost an expensive watch somewhere along where the uh, where the water ski loop would go around and uh, and they were very busy and i was i was on my time off and the gm was freaking out about his expensive watch and i asked the uh, the I would think he it was, it was JP, uh, the chief of uh, Warski. Or, oh, my God. JP I can't De- remember if it was JP. JP DeLay? Um, I think so. Was he? Uh, oh, That's my okay. God. That's okay. And we, we, we Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Pond was on the team. J and, uh, and I remember asking him, well, if you want to, I can just swim around and snorkel around and see if I can find it. Where do you think you dropped it? Around there, and he said, "No, you can't really do that. We're we're passing around with the boats." I said, "Give me a buoy. Let me just go in with buoy, uh, a buoy, a diving buoy." And that's what I did. I tied up myself a diving buoy, and I started swimming around. And this, the the this, the ski boats were going left and right of uh, of me. They knew exactly where I was. Obviously, everything was was calculated and safe. Um, so I was just snorkeling for this watch, and all of a sudden you see this huge shadow and this huge figure swimming around you and that's where I saw him and that's and he spent I don't know about 15-20 minutes with me in the water I was just you know I forgot about the watch all like in one second of my old my attention was just going to to Jojo and that was it
0: wow that's a pretty special moment
1: it was awesome
0: what's it it like being on the circus team in Turks and Caicos
1: tough yeah okay (laughs) Um, (laughs) tough I was learning a lot. It was a, a stage of, of my learning curve of circus that, that I was trying to progress very hard and I was working really, really hard. And, uh, and when I got there, Batman was my, my chief of circus. And the only thing was, I wanted to do was impress him. So I showed up the day before the trapeze show. So, We started practicing after the session and after the session with the GMs and we started practicing for the show the next day. And I flew so incredibly hard that I absolutely ripped and destroyed my hands so bad that he took me off the, of the, of the show. I couldn't do the show. I couldn't fly the show the next day because my hands were completely shredded to shribbons. (laughs) It was done. Were you a flyer? Uh, yeah, I was a flasher. I was a catcher as well, but I was one of those light guys in the circus team, so I was basically a flyer. Yeah. Okay. you have mm-hmm.
0: any other stories from Turks and Caicos that you could tell us?
1: Yeah. Funny. Um, I don't know if I sent you a picture of it, but if not, I'll send it to you. There's, uh, one time I, I had this boxers of a smiley face, yellow smiley face remember that that sticker yeah. that everybody yeah, yeah. like have
0: know? a nice have a nice day exactly
1: so I had the 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 boxers of the smiley face and I was pulling lines in the trapeze when they and this GM came by and her tank top was the exact same shirt that I was wearing at that same moment so I pulled her off I pulled her off the line and I said come over here and somebody t- took a take a picture of us so I pulled my shorts down and I, she had the shirt. I had the bottoms of the exact same face. Everybody started uh, started laughing, and from there on, everybody started calling me, calling me sla- uh, smiley face, and you know, smiley. There was a <laughs> bunch of Mexican smileys, but I was one of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm dying to I'm dying for you to tell the listeners about uh, your Julio Glacia Julio Glacia story in Putacana. So you're 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 a circus, Joe. But if you can tell our listeners, um, like when you when you met him finally, and you're sharing rum and cokes, like you 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 had an in with him because you you told him something about your mother, right? So could you yes. could
1: you tell this story? yes, and that was it. That was that was how we got certainly uh, like introduced, or or like that's how it kind of I got his attention. I would hang out with the beach team a lot, and it was it was really close to the side of the of the village that had a boundary to his. To his villa, and we would see him from far quite often. And this one time, I I you know approached the the barrier or the boundaries, and I said, uh, you know, Mister Iglesias, hi, hi I said, I said my mom, and is is one of your biggest fans. Uh, she's always loved you. And he said, oh, thank you very much. And I said, and I told him, I said, and the greatest thing is that she married my dad because he looks like you. So he started <laughs> laughing. I said, no way. And I said, yeah, it's word to God. I said, at least when he's mad at him, he tells him, the only reason I married you is because you looked like Julio Iglesias.
0: <laughs> now my son's working with him in Punta Gana. I'm leaving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he invited us over. And, uh, and from there on, every time that he was around, he would, he would go over and he would pull out this really good bottles of wine and, uh, and bottles of rum, we had. We used to have, you know, the regular. What was it, um, Brugal? That, that oh, yeah, delicious rum from Cana. Yes, we mm-hmm. had lots of bottles there with him. That's it.
0: So th- this was this would have been your your last season. So, uh, anything interesting happened to you besides uh you know meeting the guy that looks like your father? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was an amazing season. Uh, great friendships. At this point, I was, I was working as hard as I could at my trapeze. I, you know, I, I, I used to meet throughout my career of the club. I met some of the greatest legends of trapeze, uh, Darwin, you know, absolutely everybody that made a big impact in club man in the trapeze schools. Uh, I was, I was, you know, a great, huge fan and a good friend of Bob Christians. So, um, so I was working really, really hard, and I knew that at my age and at my stage of life, I was most likely not gonna get as good as all these legends that I had met. But uh, I definitely thought that I could at least be proficient enough to be a good instructor. And if I could count on the talent of all the other people that i that i that I was working with, uh, I could become at some point achieve a circus. so was that was one of my goals. Um, uh, so I was working really hard for that. and it was it was an amazing village that taught me a lot. I had amazing friends that from all over the world, just from that season, and uh, never you know, never mind all the rest of my years at the club.
0: Well, besides the names you've already mentioned, uh, I don't want to leave anyone out. So the people that you worked with you enjoyed working with uh, could be a chief of service, a GO. like who did you who did you really get along with and like working? With?
1: Oh my goodness! Uh, tons you uh, you mentioned the land before. I you know, the land sports that I worked for, uh, that that I worked with were amazing. Veronica, Veronica, um, her last name i Marge- 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Margellos. I, yeah, I love her. Uh, Nick, I love her. And Laura Palmer, her last name right now married. Uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry, Laura, but uh, Laura Veronica. Rodrigo Tapia, who's now in 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 Australia, awesome friend. He was uh, he used to teach uh, tennis. Mary Kelly uh, from the circus. Salvatore, like I mentioned before, Antonio, Antonio Santella, Santorella, I don't remember his last name, but obviously uh, Batman, Darwin, Philippe, Philippe Begin. Um, uh, he Gecko. later became yeah Gecko. Of course, Gecko. Yes. He became after she was sports. I met him when he was when he was just a uh, um, uh, mini club geo. We used to go surfing in Ixtapa. Funny stories from there too, but I think some of them are classified still. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're all redacted. I heard. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, who, who? Anyone else? Let me see. Ivan Let's... Ivan Kovarubias, He's uh, he was a chief chief circus with me. I don't know if you know him. Anton Anton von Dosterdorf. Oh, never um, heard that
0: name before. No,
1: no. He came to the club. He came to, I believe he was with me in Punta Cana, or in Nixtapa, one of the two villages. I don't remember. I don't, don't remember. My my mind gets fuzzy there. But uh, he came to the circus team after being in Cirque du Soleil. His story before that, he was a a diving uh, Olympic diver, a pool Olympic, Olympic diver. So his transition from, from the Olympic diving team to club med to circus was very particular and very easy for him to say the least. He came in, I taught him ta- how to fly with lines in 15 minutes. And he was flying higher than I I had ever flown in the years that I had, learning trapeze. He was catching within a month. He was throwing a double within that same month. At the end of the season, he was close to catching his triple. Just amazing. Where, where was he? Where was he from again?
0: Or or what,
1: what, was, his what was, his, was his last name? Va- von Dusterdas I believe. Okay. Okay. We did I think Playa Blanca together.
0: Well, yeah, well I guess he okay. um being a, a diver, he already came with his aerial awareness, right? So I guess that is a you know when you can do all those flips in the air, then he knows where his oh, body yeah. is in the air because of diving. So yeah, that oh, that yeah. would be a easy transition for him.
1: Yeah, for him to transition from landing either on his head or on his feet to on his back was extremely easy you yeah. put, put us all to shame all to shame <laughs>
0: and uh do you ever think about like uh is there anything you miss about club med like the three because i know you're well i definitely know if you're in uh if you're in quebec with me uh <laughs> in winter every year you probably miss club med more in the winter right
1: <laughs> I, I do i absolutely <laughs> do i miss a lot of things i li- i miss the the food um, yes, when i when do. i started working in club med i gained i think 14 kilos in my first year uh, like, really quick, and uh, like the first couple of months, I was the buffet is just like uh, for, you know, uh, you know, there's it's the best food the tourist industry has in 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 all around the world. I mean, you have sh- you have chefs from everywhere around the world in every single village, so the food is bound to be delicious, you know, the and, product, and, some, and, someone,
0: uh, and someone makes it like you don't have to make it, someone makes it for you, right? And <laughs> just show ready. Up. And, and you sure. show up
1: and eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dishes? What dishes? Let me tell you, that was the biggest, yeah. the biggest backward shock. And the thing that I hated the most when I came back to life after Club Man, having to do the dishes and cooking for myself. Yeah. Oh, no. I was <laughs> spoiled for too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. The traveling. Obviously, the traveling. The traveling is, you know, uh, it was amazing. And I was traveling with Club Med prior, you know, 2001. So it was a lot freer. I used to travel with all my circus equipment on my carry-on juggling knives. I mean, all kinds of whips, uh, all kinds of stuff.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. Whips and knives. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> All no. right and uh, and of course the uh, the smiley face uh, boxers right
1: <laughs> Yeah you want to hear one last really funny yeah, story from Soichi sure. At one point in when was it second season Watulco, I was learning archery by uh, the Japanese geo that we had it was amazing and this GM came in with his suitcase and on his suitcase he pulled out a couple of tomahawks, and a couple of throwing knives. And his belt was a four-foot-long uh, bullwhip that he had um, wrapped around. And in his suitcase had another eight-foot-long whip and another 12-foot-long whip. And I said, oh, my God. And he, do, he introduced himself as Jack the Whip Wrangler. And later on, I researched him. He happened to have trained... Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones.
0: Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: And he taught me how to uh, crack a whip (laughs) and throw knives. So between uh, the circus team and myself, who obviously really liked the idea of throwing knives at something, uh, we started getting really good. And then when I joined the circus, it became part of my shows for the circus show. I would do a little a little gig with a with a whip, popping balloons and you know those fake uh, knives popping balloons uh, in between you know the arms and legs of a GM and stuff as a gag, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Jack that... the Whip Wrangler.
0: Jack, Jack the Whipper,
1: like Jack the Jack Whipper? the Jack the Whip Wrangler.
0: Oh, Jack the Whip Wrangler. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that was his stage name, I guess. Was he American? <laughs> Yes, he was.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, I did. I I, that must have been a cool thing to see at at Club Med, right? I mean, yeah,
1: he happened to do a a show. Remember uh, the the famous GM show? He was obviously in it, and he did a really really cool um, act where he would uh, he would stand. 8 to 12 feet in front of a, another GM or a GO. I don't remember if he chose GMs or geos. I think he, he chose a couple of us, a couple of geos to do the, the act. And he, we would hold a cigarette uh, with our arm extended to the side, and he would whip off the cigarette of our hand. He put, uh, you know, uh, somebody from the Lance Force onto a board, and he was going to throw knives at it, and they switched it for a mannequin, you know, just before uh, and he nailed every single balloon. He was really good. I mean, obviously he did that for a living. Great story. Thank you. yeah,
0: okay, sir. We are coming to the end of our time, but I have a question for you. actually, it's in two parts. Yes. number one is if uh, if someone was listening to this and they're um, hesitant about applying to Club Ed, should they do it? And second, um in your journey, would you would you have changed anything or like are you, are you very happy that you work for Club
1: Ed? I am extremely happy that I worked for club and it was the best time of my life. i uh, I learned I learned everything that the, that the club offers for me it was the first, and it was just a you know a mountain of knowledge, people, contacts from all over the world, friends from all over the world. If anybody wants to to join man and it's hesitant and they don't know if they're gonna like it, well, try it. Try it and do it. Don't hesitate. There's there's a lot more to gain than not to do it. The possibilities nowadays to travel and to be all over the world are getting harder and harder. Do it. Uh, The only thing you're going to find is a lot of really happy people.
0: (laughs) All smiles, right?
1: Oh, yeah. All smiles all the way.
0: That's what Uncle Larry used to tell me. Recall Uncle Larry was a GM that
1: Oh my god Uncle Larry Club Ed,
0: and he he told like I asked him once, why would you live at Club Med? You know? And yeah. he said, Well, you know, you know what, where I'm from, you know, people smile less and less. He goes, When I come to Clement, I live here, everyone smiles, you know, everyone's happy here. Exactly. So I, I want to live where the smiles are. That's what he used to tell me.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, awesome person. Another great person that I had awesome on awesome, times with. Oh um, yeah, you yeah, it, you
0: must have met him at Playa if you were there, Uncle
1: Larry. <laughs> Playa and Turks. Yeah. So uh, yeah, both uh I had, you know, Well, yeah, he went really to cool he went to Turks
0: to uh, to follow Lulu because Lulu was our chief in Playa in 96, 97. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: he, he liked her a lot, so he would follow her. Uh Yeah. no matter where she yeah. went. But he would also live in Cancun too when it was rainy season in Playa, he would go to Cancun. And said, oh yeah. God, why don't I just become Uncle Greg and I'm just going to go live at at Turks six months and I'm gonna go, <laughs> I then I go to Cancun sure. the other. The other six. <laughs> okay. Uncle Greg's coming. Now I get it. Absolutely. You know, I, I get it now. I didn't get it then. I get it now.
1: <laughs> I know. He's and listen. His bar bill, his bar bill was pretty big, and he and seventy percent of it was for the geos. That's right. Um, and he loved. He I don't
0: know if you know. He loved Mexican G, uh, geos. He was, all, you know, GMT. Yeah. He was always telling me. Yeah. You know, he, he respected the heck of you guys. He always told me that.
1: Oh, we had lots of fun, really cool conversations. Late breakfasts close by to the sailing shack in, in Playa. Awesome, awesome, fun times. I,
0: I, I saw my first, uh, oh my God, when it was a, a Mexican Gio's birthday in, in Playa. Oh my God, the first time I've seen Mordida. Oh my God, I <laughs> I, I still can't get it <laughs> out of my head. because Not only did they smash the guy's face in the cake, they make him get up on a chair and chug a bottle of red wine, not white wine. Red wine. I'm like, oh my god,
1: oh my god, that is yeah. so
0: tough. I could, oh, I never, I never could have done that. I'm not that tough. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. I'm, I'm good times. Huh? Good oh, times. Incredible times. Incredible times. Yeah, like, um, you, you, you mentioned it before to me once. If I had this reoccurring, um. Dream. Dream of yes. going back to Club Med. And, and and not only do I have it all the time, but every single time that I have any kind of nightmare of any kind of con- context of whatever is happening in my life, uh, work-wise, and it becomes a nightmare at night, every time I escape to Club Med, it's really, really funny. And it's all the time. Sometimes I just fall asleep and I'm in the club and I'm back at work and at some club and I'm about to switch from village to village. And sometimes I'm having this other unrelated dream about anything that's happening in my life and becomes stressful and becomes a nightmare. And my my mind just escapes and takes me out of that nightmare by escaping to a village.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. A little bit different than mine, but I'm glad. Weird. one? Oh yeah. Mine is just that I'm, I'm working an entire day. Like I'm really, I'm literally caught in my dream the entire day and I can't get out and I'm working. I'm not like, uh, like working two hours and then I'm off at the beach, but, uh, and oh, let me ask you this. When you, when you stopped Club Med, were, t- were you saying hi to everyone that you, you met, you crossed on the street, like when you got home? Like <laughs> I couldn't stop saying hi to people, and they were looking at me really funny. I don't know. Did you get that? Uh, that that happened did. to you?
1: I did, and and I. I but I, I. I just was. Uh, I mean, I was lucky that it was a sort of a transition because when I stopped working for Clement, I I came to to Mont to teach trapeze and circus arts. And okay, that
0: that's how you came to Quebec.
1: Yes, I had an invitation to come to teach trapeze. Uh, at, uh, at a ski resort I don't know, for the people that don't know uh, what Tremblant is it's a big uh, ski resort in the north of, of Quebec and uh, for the summer they were opening uh, a trapeze school ex-GEOs as well and uh, so I came I came to teach here and so I was again saying hi to everybody greeting everybody teaching uh, you know in the same circus or trapeze environment Outside of the club. So it was, it was, it helped me a little bit. When I stopped working for for trapeze and suddenly I was doing something else, then people would look at me like, oh, this is a really friendly Mexican, <laughs> but that's it.
0: Then you love minus 40 winter so much, you decided to stay here for
1: 23 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: You're like, screw Mexico. Uh, it's too warm and hot there. <laughs> I'm going to stay yeah. here.
1: Right here. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> You, kids, did, yeah. you, did you
0: de- develop a taste for poutine? Do you like poutine? I, I, mean, I, I like it. I
1: like love it. I am, I uh, am okay. a poutine addict, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> okay. you can put uh, smoked meat on it, uh, even oh. better. Okay. And he's, grilled he's been, onions. Mm.
0: He's, he's <laughs> been here a while, folks. He knows about the smoking. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, favorite beer from here?
1: you like La Bat, um,
0: Or uh, do you like Saint bon?
1: <laughs> I don't drink anymore, but when I used okay. to, Stella, I've oh, always uh, been a Stella okay. drinker or yeah, very or, or Heineken. Stella or Heineken. It's just been my two two uh, to go beers whenever there's no Corona. Okay, all right. Well, Javier, this has
0: been more than kind of you to share your story with us. Like really, from the bottom of my heart, I really thank you for for coming on today and letting us know about your story.
1: Absolutely pleasure and an absolute honor to finally be able to have a conversation with you and thank you very much for bringing me back all these memories to all these amazing people and amazing places that made everything that I am today um I don't I would definitely not be here and wouldn't have my family and I wouldn't be who I am if I would have not spent the time that I spent in Club man
0: very well said sir very well said well everyone that was the one the only Javier Margain from Mexico now living in Quebec we claimed him and now I'm going to let you just say goodbye to all the listeners.
1: Everybody, thank you guys very much for listening to us. Thank you very much for being part of my life. Uh, love you and miss you guys all. Take it easy. Have a great, great, great time.